Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. Let's dive in to this morning, shall we? So I hope you guys had a chance to take in last uh, last week's service, Pentecost service, just with people kind of contributing from across the country and um, our very own Adrian and Allison hosting that. You guys did such a great job. Um, grateful that we get to get to lay claim to that to you guys for just a little while longer. Um, so uh, you guys did just a wonderful job and uh, and it was it was just a gift. Um, yeah, one of those things that's just, you know, a, a, a neat part of what this time is able to afford us is sometimes we can do oops do stuff like that so um but we're gonna we're gonna pick up kind of where we where we left off um the week prior uh to um to last to last week's pentecost service um although i you know in having a conversation um with with catherine uh earlier this week you know she did highlight um just from the, the the message that came out last week, which was super solid, actually, if you get a chance to listen, it was it was a really solid message about about waiting, um, and you know, Pentecost Sunday uh, obviously is is like a day of great impact in the life and story of of the church in history, and we celebrate this time where the Holy Spirit comes and brings a deep empowering. Um, and all of a sudden, stuff starts that starts starts to happen, you know. And we really love those things. I love those things. Uh, I've heard that described by um, by some great theological minds as the as the whammo of God, right? The whammo of God showed up on Pentecost Sunday in a brand new way, and people just, you know, it, it, the, the the chaos of all of that, and the and the power of all of that, and the certainty of that experience whatever else it may have been disorienting and confusing i'm sure but there was certainty in that experience god was on the move and um you know but last week's message um was was a reminder that the book of acts does not start with the second chapter of uh, of acts it starts with the first chapter of acts it starts with the waiting it starts with um, uh, with taking time and, and, and a process. And the, the comment was, how we wait matters, right? This was a really important thing. And, and so um, I'm going to tie, I think that's an important thing for us to use and frame for what we look at today, because we are in a season of waiting. That is absolutely tr- true. Um, uh, no matter how you cut it, I don't think anyone is living their best life right now. I don't think that anyone is thinking, I hope things never change. Um, you know, this is a season where we are contending for something. We're contending for for a more connected time. We're contending for a healthier time. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other things that we're contending with and contending for. And, um, and, and at the end of the day, we're waiting. We're waiting for a kind of deliverance. We're waiting for a quality of justice, you know, um, just to create space and acknowledge that this was a flippin' hard week in the Canadian story. We, you know, there was some, some stuff that was revealed uh, on the West Coast with regards to... Um, uh, with regards to residential schools and and just the awful you know two hundred and fifteen 
um, lives, uh, you know, and, and lost. And, and we don't know the stories of these things. And, you know, we're contending for stuff. It's confusing. We, we you know, rightfully say, it must be better than this. There must be more than this. This, this, this can't be the whole story. And so um, it matters. It matters how we wait. It matters how we exist in these spaces that are confusing, um, that are painful, and that don't give us a lot of certainty, that don't give us the good feels. Um, I promise you, Peter, uh, Peter and the disciples after Pentecost Sunday, um, I... You know, I don't know what having a carb crash looked like back in those days, but if you've ever had, you know, you just after after a really satisfying, my thing just went out of sync again. I'm so sorry, everybody. And he's back. Okay. Um, you know, after a great event, um, if, I don't know what you guys, but there's this thing in me, particularly if I didn't eat it at that event, I need to get some carbs into me, right? I promise you that that's what Peter was feeling uh, when he went home from whatever that Pentecost thing was. It was like a good day, right? Um, and we long for those, and that's probably not exactly how we would define this time right now. And so um, I just think it's important to acknowledge that, and particularly when we're talking about um, the subject matter of the day. So, um, you know, a number of weeks ago, we did a practice together, the examine, and we talked about the assumptions that underlie these five different movements, this practice of prayer that I just want to encourage. I don't know if you've been stepping into this at all, trying this on your own in the space of your weeks, you know, daily, asking the Lord, you know, taking a, taking a minute and, and being still, taking a minute and finding something to be thankful for, um, taking a minute and just saying, hey, Lord, I feel like this right now. This is the emotional life of Chris or of, uh, you know, uh, Peter or whatever. This is how I'm feeling right now. Um, you know, thinking about the events of your life and finding one that you let the Lord speak to you about, and then finally orienting yourself towards what's coming next, towards the immediate future. That's the you know, in a real nutshell, that's this examine, practice, five movements. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the stillness. What are the assumptions when we go still and assume that we can find God there? What do we need to believe in order for that to make any sense, right? Why do we do that? Um, well, we're going to follow the thread on this, and we're going to ask about this gratitude business, Right? The second movement of the examine, where we, where we talk about gratitude, about finding something and we're going to be thankful. Um, so, you know, like gratitude is a good thing, right? Being thankful is a good thing. Um, and it, it's not without its complications as well, because, you know, I, being thankful as a practice, as a discipline, that's kind of a tough thing to pull off, isn't it? Um, it's because we, we want gratitude to come from a place that is an out of the overflow, don't we? Um, you know, if I have to work really hard at something, it, it feels unnatural. It, it, it doesn't feel authentic, maybe, right? This can be a problem that we can have with trying to practice gratitude, particularly in difficult times. Um, you know, and sometimes we, when we sort of lean in that direction, we can almost try to recreate 
reality. You know, we, uh, I've talked about this in the past, right? This whole sort of trying to Pollyanna, it's always looking on the bright side of life kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, I don't see any evil. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I can't be grateful if I think about the residential school system and all, I can't, I, I, I need to not think about that in order to be grateful maybe, right? This, this might be part of the, the struggle that we can do when we try to practice gratitude. And that is obviously, I, I hope, clear that that's not what we're pressing into is not a gratitude that ignores or that sets aside difficult challenging things or heartbreaking things but coexists with that you know and so something that is anchored firmly in reality um, we're not talking about a practice of denial when we're talking about a practice of gratitude or a practice of thanksgiving right and we're not even talking about a kind of gratitude that says, hey, it's okay. Everything is okay. It, you know, the, the, the challenging practice of, of being thankful and the, the invitation of the Lord to us in this is just like Jesus was able to, in one breath, be, um, be, be fully present with people, be fully forgiving, be, be thankful. And, and I mean, this is something that we see in him, Jesus giving thanks continually and yet ignoring nothing, muting uh, nothing, right? Not even, not even to the sense of dulling or dimming um, pain. We see Jesus um, live out of, of real emotional depth and pain, even as he's thankful. And so that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that I believe that the Lord invites us into in these in these practices right um and you know in i've called the, this talk the notorious should of gratitude right and when we when we think about things that ought to be what we ought to do i first want to say you know that's an important thing to know our worldview our understanding of reality says that there is a there is a best way, that there is a better way, that there is an ought in life, right? Things oughtn't to be some ways, and they should be other ways. And so I don't want to diminish that at all as we reflect on this idea of, of being you know, grateful. And I also want to say it's not inappropriate to say, as Christians, we should be thankful people. There's a, that's a re, there is something in that that is true. But it, what I'm convinced of increasingly is that it is true in, in such a way that it's a gift to us rather than a burden upon us. A thing that you must do. Um, a, 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 a sort of... Uh, a, a pressure that comes down and 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 feels um, yeah feels like it's a have to, right? So the should of gratitude, we should be grateful, is true, but it's um, but it's I, I think it's true in a in a more subtle way than than the oppressive sense of like hey get with it if you're not feeling grateful you're doing it wrong it's that's it's more like the it's more like a gift to us and so we're gonna tease that out. Um, a little bit uh, this morning. So in First Thessalonians, we get this passage, uh, and I'm not going to pull it up. It's, I'm just going to read a verse here. And uh, 
it's a it's a tough one give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you now there's a lot that we can say about about this kind of thing um I think it's right. And I think that there's a million wrong ways to apply it in our life. Um, again, the, the burden of denialism, of not being honest in our accounting of things is, is not what we are called to here. Um, I'm grateful that it doesn't say give thanks for all all circumstances. I think that that's a really important and nuanced thing to say. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. That is an altogether different thing. Um, There is underlying this idea that there's something to be thankful for in the midst of all circumstances assumes some things that are really helpful. And again, it's these assumptions that I want to invite and remind, invite us towards and remind us of. Now, I don't think there's anything extraordinarily profound. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn this on, on its head for you with some great revelation, but just a reminder, I think, um, If God is good, if God is the creator of all that is good and lovely and beautiful and true, then anything that is good and beautiful and lovely and true can be ascribed to him, can be point that is a sign. And we've talked about this recently, can be a signpost, something that points towards God in the midst of all circumstances, in the midst of all seasons, of all times. And that is something more aligned with what I think the mandate to thankfulness looks like. And, and I, I know I've shared this before in various contexts. In some of my darkest mo- in fact, in my darkest moment, um, I went for a walk. Uh, I needed to get out. And I noticed that the sun was setting in a beautiful way. And it did nothing to, it did nothing to mitigate the, the sorrow that I was going through, it did nothing to make it all okay. It was nothing like that at all. Um, except that at point in that moment, the beauty of that sky, being thankful for that sky, pointed me to a larger story that was also true. That was also true. That was as true as my pain, was as true as the circumstances for which I could not give thanks, but inside of which I found one thing that I could be thankful for. And that thankfulness, by the way, it wasn't articulated. I didn't say, thank you, Lord, for the sunset. I said, I see the sunset. I see it. That's, that was in that moment for me a, a, a turning, a context giver, and I and I think that the you know to use biblical language, I think that the Lord credited that moment to me 
as thankfulness. Even though I didn't use the words, thank you, I see it. And in, in the practice of this, this examine idea, of, which is hopefully, I mean, ideally, this is a daily practice. This is, you know, and, and, and not because it's the thing, but it's just helpful. Is to see the things that we can, that point us towards the truer reality of God's goodness in a moment. To see it is to be thankful for it. And yes, we can articulate it. We can say, if we have the mind, I didn't have the mindfulness in that moment to say thank you for that, but I saw it. And so when we get to this moment in examine prayer, or any time we want to press in towards thanksgiving, and we'll talk in a minute why, why that's so important and helpful, um, to list it, to it, it. It's not general, it's specific. I'm thinking about this more and more often. Um, the specific characteristic of a moment that we can say thank you for, or that we can at least recognize and say, I see that signpost. And I see that on that signpost is written the term beauty. And I see where it's pointed. Or I see in the midst of this injustice, I see on that signpost over there is something that is good and righteous. I see it. And I see that it points towards, I see what it's pointing towards, Lord. I see it. This is, I think, a really helpful practice. I think it's not a burdensome practice. It's something that actually, it actually gives a little bit, a little bit of lift to our spirit in the midst of difficult times. And in, in, in the midst of good times, too. Because, you know, sometimes when it's good and it's easy, we also become forgetful and forget how to recognize the simple things. And so when our circumstances make it easy for us to be thankful, I'm thankful, Lord, because, I, I don't know, I got a $1,000 check in the mail or something, right? You know, that's, that's, that's great, but it's so circumstantial. And so in those moments, yes, we want to highlight them. Yes, we want to thank Jesus for them because that's good. But there's something about looking for those signposts that are steady and consistent and outside, not just contained within my own narrative, my own perspective, something that's outside of myself. Does that make sense? There are a few things that I, as I've been pondering this gratitude business, why it's important. Um, gratitude increases our capacity. Gratitude, gratitude increases our resilience. Um, I can't think of a scenario where um, in, in, in a moment where I've, where I've not been able to bridge and, be, and find a space of gratitude, where, where I have also found a, reposit, a, a deposit of, of resilience or capacity for a moment. It's always the opposite. It, when, I, when there's something, like that's, the, this thing when I saw the sky this evening, that, that evening, it didn't make everything okay, but there was a there was a capacity that I found in that moment. There was resilience that came into the story in that. And it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. Thankfulness is about worship, 
It, it is about an adequate and proper response to God. And if that was all that it was, that's, that's, that's enough. But there is actually a gift. There's a gift in it for us. And the gift is, the gift is capacity. The gift is, is resilience. And joy, too. There is a connection, a tether, a hard, a, I believe a hard connection. And, I, and I, don't, I don't have, you know, I know there's a lot of research that's been done about this in recent years in terms of joy centers and the way that our brains work and the connection to thanksgiving. And I, I wish I had all of those things at hand to be able to, to you know, highlight. But I, intrinsically, I believe that we can know that this is true. There's no such thing as a joyful moment that isn't tether, tethered in some way to gratitude. And conversely, I believe that when we articulate and find even in um, really intentional ways that we would not describe as overflow, that there is, there is a connection to joy. Right? Joy as capacity, not joy as happiness. Joy as capacity. Joy as, as um, a deep knowing that is deeper than what my experience might even be. So that's important. Gratitude, we've already hinted at this, it actually gives us context. We... I'm going to say pretty universally, we are locked in our own stories. We're locked in our own heads. We are. We, we are constantly articulating and trying to make meaning and understanding out of what our circumstances are. And that's okay. That's part of what we're designed to, to do. And what gratitude allows is for something that is actually outside of, the, of that to break in right because when we are particularly when we're trying to when we're trying to defend self-defend when we're trying to self-protect by the way those are not always bad responses but we're looking you know we're tuned to very particular and specific inputs right and most of the time what we're looking for is a when we're in those spaces of self-protection is we're looking to identify threats we're looking to identify the things that we want to keep at bay so that we can be safe, right? The practice of gratitude, it doesn't undercut that process entirely, but it does cause our eyes to shift so that we're not just looking for threats and we're not just looking for those things that we can defend against, but we are actually able to get glimpses of the bigger story. The story that says, the story that says that there is righteousness in this world. The story that says there's beauty in this world. And then it belongs to Jesus. Right? Um, I don't pretend to know, again, with regards to the revelations of this week um, out West. I don't pretend to know what it must be like um, to be a First Nations person whose family story is deeply connected um, to that to the residential school system. I can't, I, I cannot imagine what emotional life and burden this week's news would bring. Um, but, but I can say that in some of the things I've observed on social media, at least, um, some people that I've known, um, is a couple of things like lament for sure. Absolutely. And appropriately so, um, 
and something and I, I, I certainly don't want wouldn't want this to sound anything remotely like like corrective because I, I'm not in a position to be able to do that because I don't know what it feels like um, but there has been this sense like is there no righteousness in this world seems to have been a little bit of the the subtext of some of the lament that I've heard and I appreciate that and it echoes David as a psalmist from time to time is there you know asking the hard question but I believe that what gratitude a moment of gratitude even in deeply challenging times such as this gratitude actually provides a meaningful answer and that answer is yes there is such thing as righteousness in this world there is such a thing as justice in this world in ugly moments yes there is such a thing as beauty in this world and you are not disconnected from it it is right there there's a signpost it's right there and so we get context we our story gets to be a little bit broader not with an eraser but it, but it gives us context in that new context, and this is important, we're not trying to reconstitute reality when we're being grateful, right? We're not, you know, we talked about this, right? The scales, like, so, you know, sometimes if we want, if, if we think about practicing gratitude, we might think that what we need to do, here's the scale of stuff that really sucks and burdens and things that we don't like. And so what we're going to try to do is find enough stuff that we can be grateful for that will at least balance it out or maybe get a little bit heavier so we can be a grateful person right we try to we try to find all the stuff and 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 load it up so that so that we say no life isn't really that bad life's actually pretty good look i just need to change my perspective and see things a little differently and there might be times where that's true but i don't think that that's very often i don't think that that's the most fundamentally helpful practice of gratitude is to try to tip the scales back i don't think it needs to happen that way in order for it to be helpful I think the scales image is actually unhelpful completely because it, it, tr- it tends to try to balance things out, right? Well, no, there is, there is suffering in this world that is never going to be okay. It might one day, we believe that there will be restoration and healing and restitution, but it will never be okay that those things happened. And so the scale thing with gratitude, let's just throw the scales away, right? What we're looking for are signs, signposts. doesn't alter reality but it but it does contextualize it does that make sense i hope that that's somewhat helpful it's been helpful for me you know and i had a conversation with a friend of mine recently who had just some really hard news and uh you know and, and we were talking and he was sharing some similar things and he was doing i was really impressed with how he was navigating this very disciplined really impressed with how he pointing um sorry it happened again there we go <sighs> lots to be grateful for this morning but technology is not among my list if i was trying to if i was if i was trying to balance it out my computer would be a wouldn't be on the thing i'm grateful for today um anyway <clears throat> i think i've i think i've said what i need to say about this this is really helpful and really important to us. Um, I just want to read, it's a longish psalm, but I just want to read through this. And then we're going to, what we're going to do is just take again two or three minutes and 
and do a bit of an exam and practice together, just silently. And, um, and I'm not reading this as a proof text because I don't believe that it's required for me to biblically prove that it's good to be grateful. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that there's something that's intrinsic here. Um, but what I, I, I want to read Psalm uh, 145. I, be, I believe this is a Psalm of David. Um, and I, I read it because if ever there was someone who seemed to be able to throw the scales away when it came to balancing things out and having to tip the scales circumstantially in order to be able to get to that place of praise, that place of thanksgiving, it was David, right? Because here's a guy, he's like way on one end and then way on the other end of, of the human experience. He's in the depths of grief and then he's in the heights of praise. And I, I'm increasingly convinced it's not about him being some kind of bipolar person. Maybe he was, I don't know. But I don't think that that's the point that we find represented in, in the Psalms. I think that what we see um, is someone who is able to honestly articulate reality and inside of that space really allow signposts of goodness and beauty and wonder um, to, to, to lead him in gratitude. And so this is Psalm 145. I don't have the word, the text to pull up on the screen. So you just have to listen. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will pro proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All of your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your glory, of the glory of your kingdom, and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. And trustworthy, the Lord is trustworthy in all that he promises and faithful in all that he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and give, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever.
And slowly just take a moment. We take a moment and we just... We look for those signposts that point to the truth that David is articulating here in this psalm. Lord, where we where we don't have great language, where it doesn't where thankfulness, the language of thankfulness doesn't spill out. Lord, we ask that you would give us the eyes to see and that we might at that we might at least be able to say, I see that. I recognize that. I recognize that as beautiful. I recognize that as true. I recognize that as righteous. Whatever it is, Lord. God, I thank you that you invite us into specific meditations, not just the general ones. I'm just going to lead us now through these five movements again of the examined practice. So we're just going to take a moment and be still. Invite the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, into the stillness of this moment right now. We are here. We are here. And God, in your presence, we do right now just specifically articulate what we can find, uh, that we can practice gratitude in. And the third movement of the exam, and again, is just the, the emotional vulnerability. Lord, I feel like this right now. Fill in the blank. Use whatever words you want. You don't even have to defend how you're feeling. You don't have to prove it. You just have to articulate it. I feel like this. And now, fourth movement. The Lord is specifically interested in your life. Specifically present in your life. So I just invite you to take the last 24 hours and just consider what you've experienced, highs and lows specifically. Moments that felt like they were gifts or moments that felt like they were withdrawals um, from you. And allow, allow the Lord to, to just highlight one of those specific moments 
Maybe it's outside of 24 hours, but it's a helpful window to think through these things. And just pray with him about it. If it's a, if it's a high moment, if it's a good moment, an, an encouragement, pray to him about it. Ask him about it. If it's a moment of desolation, a moment of loss, um, same. Invite the Lord to speak to you. What's he saying? What's he asking? Maybe he's asking you a question in that. I don't know. And then finally, we close out the exam and practice by orienting ourselves to what comes next, to the thing that we don't know how to anticipate, um, to the next 24 hours, let's say. Um, <clears throat> and so, Lord, we, uh, we, we, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's coming around the corner. But, Lord, we, uh, we know that we can anticipate that you will be present in the midst of it. And in fact, working in the midst of it. And in fact, nothing can come um, that you cannot weave towards your purposes. Whether it's from you or not is not the question. And so God, we right now, we anticipate the next, uh, the next day. And God, that we would lean our spirits, train our spirits um, in trust and anticipation. Um, that you're moving, that you are at work, that we will encounter signposts that we can be thankful for in the next day. We will encounter evidences that you are with us in the next day. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us always. Um, Lord, we ask, I, I pray that you would lead us uh, in this time. God, we, uh, we, give you, uh, we give you this time that we've shared together this morning. We ask that your spirit would continue to speak um, wherever you want, whether through these words or something else, Lord, that you would continue to move and shape us and and uh, yeah, thank you, Jesus, that you're with us. Amen. And so, with that, I'm, I'm yeah, just bless you into uh, into the week that comes. Um, thanks for uh, specifically. I'm talking to those who are uh, on on Facebook or Zoom. There's a couple of people. Hi, Vogels. I see you on there, and uh, I see my mom as well. Let's some. Um, some comments so to whoever is maybe tuning in out there bless you into the rest of your week and uh we'll see you later